I got the creme de la creme. All right, here, hold on. Hey, you see that? You're wearing a sweater. Right there. Mary Ellen Moffat. She broke my heart. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> I, we don't want to spend too much time it's on us. it. It's us. When you did the clap, it was obviously like the the butt of your palm hit first, and then your fingers <laughs> followed through with it. <laughs> it was so good. It's like a Nicole Click Kidman clap. Yeah, exactly. Like a, You're protecting uh, your nails with like a seal vibe. <laughs> It's a wonderful picture of her. So many great moments from our stars, from our stars at award ceremonies. That's the biggest loss of COVID 2021, man. We're going to have. And she just got a new nomination as of today for a for very a gold, boring gold, television gold show. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, so we were talking about The Undoing, which is the show that Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant were mm-hmm. in this year. And I didn't watch any of that show no but i watched it all through uh-huh. one of my other favorite shows which is Gogglebox. hey and let me tell you that <laughs> was the way to fucking watch that show because it was so much more fun watching other people watch yeah, it than sure. actually watching for it sure. yourself i think that it, it breaks the the roger ebert rule of would this be more interesting if we were just watching the cast and crew have dinner together and tell stories about their lives. If, if And that's true of that TV show. The TV show sucks. But there's it also proves there's no bad TV. There's just really good content for Gogglebox. If we look at TV through there, yes. we, we can just yes. remain hopeful forever that any bad TV show you waste your time on will eventually be turned into something you love very much. Yes, Gogglebox, and if you don't know what it is, go check out oh, our know. like third or fourth these episode. These folks are diehards. They know what we're talking about. <laughs> the, the, Gogglebox. The, the real heads know. The real heads know that the best <laughs> thing we ever heads. accomplished, the, the real show stoppies uh, know that the best thing we ever accomplished on this show was talking about the show Gogglebox, which is perfect and beautiful, and everything else is bullshit, honestly, Jesse. <laughs> nothing else matters. Let's go back to Gogglebox. And if you really want to treat, watch like the most recent episodes of Gogglebox where the British watch the U.S. single-handedly like click a a (laughs) self-destruct button uh, over 2020. Uh I mean, many countries did in 2020, but we did it really good. Don't Um, sell us short, Jesse. It was not single-handedly. There were many hands involved. Many (laughs) willing hands running towards the button at the same time. (laughs) And watching them watch our country during this last year was pretty good. Primo content. (laughs) (laughs) Should also be said that Gogglebox uh, cannot be watched unless you're willing to break the law. And that's uh, that's also how you get how you get credibility points unless you're in the UK. (laughs) Then congratulations. Yeah, you really win. It's on all the time when you when I'm there and I'm watching it in or like when I turn on the TV, Gogglebox is it's on. on. Yeah. Whenever you're there, it's always on. Cuz Jessie so. is extremely effective at breaking the law. She's <laughs> Yeah, she's a pro. I am a pro. <laughs> and I actually should um adjust that and say my husband's a pro. I actually have no idea how to watch it. If I needed to figure out how to watch it on my own, I would be very bad That's at it. It's cold-blooded. <laughs> Cold-blooded selling your husband out like that, Jesse. It's pretty messed up. But. <laughs> That's true. I did sell him out. Oops. 
Sorry, Jason. <laughs> oh, I said his name too. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so deposit all state secrets with Jesse Lynn if you, <laughs> if you want them to be airtight, locked down. Yes, lock them down inside of my brain. They will stay there. Oh boy, how's your week been, bud? <laughs> my week has been lovely. I've oh, been good. off. I've been watching a lot of Gogglebox <laughs> and a lot of reality television. Great. And um, I, I have been eating food. Excellent. Uh, and I've been trying to like balance that with some workouts. But... <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What did you do this week? I, I did almost the exact same thing. Um, we, we both took some time off over these last few days. Um, and you think mm-hmm. we would have accomplished more or think. <laughs> no that, that's not the kind of year we're planning to have <laughs> but I've, I've been doing i i just finally started watching the sopranos on this time off because i i never had it was this enormous huge blind spot in my tv obsession like i love tv i love i love it more than almost anything i do it all the time and i just had never seen it before and jesse you want to know a good show so, the, Sopranos? the Sopranos on HBO. Yeah, you got it right. Yes, this is a this, it's a very <laughs> good television show. I won't take up too much time talking about it here. Maybe eventually we'll discuss it. But is this a show that you've seen before? Perhaps. Um, never. Well, see, the thing is, it's about respect and uh, and and the mafia. I am doing the fingers. You, like Jesse just did it on cam. I am doing the fingers over here. It is about respect. It's about spicy meatballs, and it's about family. <laughs> A spicy meatballs. Although when I do the the hand motion, it kind of looks like I'm just putting on like you're just putting your foundation on. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> none of that. None of that in the mob. Okay. <laughs> My thoughts have. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, um, it's definitely on the list. The Sopranos. Like I feel like it's one of those canon television series that you have not seen TV unless you've seen The Sopranos. Um, my most recent uh, TV show like The Sopranos that's been out for years that I've never really watched is uh-huh. Seinfeld. So I've been trying Ooh. to make my way through. Yeah. We're both such Philistines. We had both had such huge blind spots in TV watching. How are you liking yeah. Seinfeld so far? So far, so good. I'm at the very beginning, but uh, I've promised some coworkers that that is something that I would do. So I'm doing it. That's being a good friend. One, them requiring you, making you promise to watch Seinfeld. That's good friend behavior. Yeah, they behavior. made me do it. And you mm-hmm. making good on that promise is good friend behavior on your part, too. I've been thinking about Seinfeld a lot because I think they, they these shows have similar senses of humor, if you believe it. And there's a gentleman on The Sopranos, Junior, who looks quite a lot like Larry David. So every time he's on screen, oh. I'm just thinking, every time he comes on, like, hey, Larry, what's up, dude? You know, what's funny is I think that every time my husband's phone rings because his ringtone is the oh, yeah. theme song. It sure is. Curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> he loves it. What's the, because that, that's the soundtrack to anyone like making a mistake and experiencing like existential <laughs> dread and like total banishment from their social circle. What's the best time his ringer has gone off? um i you know he's really good he's really good with his technology so i'll say that i can't i can't i don't have any memorable (laughs) moments where it's gone off inappropriately but i can tell you a funny story that one of our friends told us in light of a ringtone conversation so 
this was the best. Um, so these are theater goers, these friends, and they <laughs> they were saying that one of the biggest challenges for older people or just people in general going to the theater is they forget to put their freaking phones on silent. And then, you it's know, it's like their the favorite thing of, to do. Yeah. Yeah. They just forget, or like open a piece of candy. Oh, 100%. Like, oh, <laughs> like sorry. Like, um, stop. That's my granddaughter uh, up there. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so one of their friends told them the best ringtone to have in case you forget to turn your phone off uh, is a ringtone that goes like this. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so his ringtone is literally like a person Someone coughing. coughing. Someone very politely stifling a cough in public. That's it's pretty so good. good. How many missed right? calls do you think that person has, though? How many times have they disregard? Are they familiar enough with that particular cough to where they don't confuse it for a real person <laughs> coughing in real life and not answering the phone I think it's, when their it's son the is theory. in the hospital? The theory, the theory is that like you hear it cough a couple times, that would be enough time for you to turn it off. Oh, I see. Oh, so, yeah. If it if it is a perfect audio duplicate of the cough you just heard a second ago, then it clicks with you like, oh, that's no human. Hey, that's my phone, guys. <laughs> and then they pick it up. Okay. Also, I realized that now, like post-COVID times, that's actually a terrible ringtone yeah. to have in a theater packed with people. <laughs> it's pretty good people bit. would... <laughs> people also, would be if like, you're in a packed theater during COVID, that's not the, the problem is not this person's ringtone. No, I mean, even like post-COVID, oh, okay, like who it, knows? <laughs> you know, that that's not going to fly anymore. He's going to have to find a new solution, there, you know? There are going to be a wave of, I'm already, you know how you know a joke is going to happen in a couple of years and you're already over it? I'm already over whatever dumb shit jokes people do in public once we're back in the real world. Uh, like like fake coughing or like uh, putting their makeup on in such a way to make us think we're sick or sneezing really ostentatiously. It's going to, it's not funny. It's never going to be funny. I don't approve of this. I don't like it. Do something else. It's going to be bad. Do something yeah. else. And like, don't wear a mask for fun. No, don't. You know, I've been considering like, a lot of folks are, are making that decision. Like, I'm just going to be a mask person probably forever, as, forever as long now. as I can stand it. Because, like, the, the like East Asia was way ahead of the curve on this one. They've been wearing masks for years. They do it regardless of where they live. It rules. Um, not to make mm -hmm. generalized, broad, sweeping statements about a people, but um, they they have the right idea. People that have been wearing masks for years in really dense urban populations were laughed at. And they were scorned, Jesse. They were denied car loans. And they were right the entire time. They were right the entire time. Like, how many colds have you gotten this year? You want to know what? You got none. You want to know why? <laughs> That's right. Because you were wearing a mask. I've been in really good health, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I did get a little cold once. <laughs> but I think it might have been, like, sinuses. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. <laughs> so it wasn't, like, anything that, like, I inhaled. <laughs> It was like so, Jesse, you were the person that raised the point of you haven't gotten a cold and you have gotten a cold. <laughs> I didn't start that conversation, bud. Oopsie. <sighs> hey. Oh, what are you gonna do? Sometimes you ruin your own jokes. That's sometimes a... you just do. <laughs> sometimes your commitment to honesty and forthrightness completely makes you step on a joke you made just moments before. <laughs> I think it was sinuses. Oh, you're funny. It was sinuses. It was sinuses. Your, your joke is good. Your joke is good. No one's Thank gotten you. a cold in the last year. You're right. <laughs> Most especially you. You in particular have not gotten a cold. 
No, <laughs> I have not gotten a cold at all. But that's not what we're here to talk about. What Wear are we? a damn mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're here to talk about, we're doing this thing. You probably heard, mm-hmm. but we're like going back and forth and talking about our top five favorite movies. Yeah. So we're on my second movie. That's right. Not necessarily my second favorite movie, but it might be. Um, <laughs> but we're on my second movie, uh, which happens to be. Oh, Scotch, come on, bud. Play ball here, guy. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it is John. Hey. That's actually, that was a really that, no, that was a really timely uh, share from Scotch because I think the the score alone excites both beast and man. It's it does <laughs> that's so popular this it thing. It does is. as as Jack Black would say in the holiday two notes and you have a villain done. Can we go one day without you mentioning Jack Black in the holiday, please? No. Can we please? I love Jack. Your Black. constant quotes of Jack Black in the holiday, which is a three hour long movie. Rightly so. Yeah, oh, sure, sure, sure. Just want to. Once you've introduced that slate of characters, how could you not flesh it out over the course of a really, really long runtime? That movie's long as hell. It's fantastic, though. <laughs> Enjoy every moment. Good to see Kate Winslet. Not as good as Jaws. Excuse. Okay, yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, Jaws is better than The Holiday. That's true. So just let, let's start with this. I think we're we're in a really goofy mood, but it's it's class time now, bud. All right, we got to get serious. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Does that mean I have to put on like glasses or some if, some shit? If you want to be taken seriously for the remainder of our conversation, yeah. <laughs> no. What? I don't, I don't have any handy. <laughs> when we when we come up with the idea of doing our top five movies, this was the only one that I knew for certain we'd be covering at a certain point. Jesse Lynn, That's true. Your brand is extremely strong. Your brand is <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Lynn uh, likes uh, Harry Potter. She likes the color orange. And she likes sharks. <laughs> you did it. I did it. That's you all it. know me now. That, that's the entire brand. Um, she, no, <laughs> Jesse is is a wealth of things, a wealth of ticks and personality distinctions. Mm, yes. uh, the, those are ticks, especially. <laughs> hey, the, the maybe the biggest thing about Jesse is how much she likes sharks. She has a deep affinity for them. Shark Week is a very important time of the year for Jesse Lynn. And um, what what is it? What is the fascination with sharks and why is this movie so important to you? So You're probably just joining us again after we cut something out. So, so Jess, Jesse's neighbor in their duplex has decided to start vacuuming the stairs in the common area between their two apartments. And so I, I, I'm not going to stop. Like, it's fine if there's a little buzzing in the background. But if anyone hears okay, that. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> now you know that. what it is. Now you know what it is. <laughs> that was so funny. Okay. So. They stem from the same place. So my family, ever since I was very a wee little Jesse, we would go to Maine um, uh, during the summer for like a week or a couple of days because it is my mom's favorite place on the entire planet, specifically Agunquit, Maine, which looks a lot like... Might as well be Amity, yeah. Amity, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It looks, feels, acts 
is Amity, essentially, mm-hmm. which Amity is Martha's Vineyard, and it has a very similar vibe. Yeah. Um, so, or rather, it was filmed there, I should say. Um, but we would go, and every summer, um, my dad and I would watch Shark Week. And I love it. I love it. But even before that, I was one of those kids who saw Jaws maybe when they were too young to see sure. it. But um, I loved it. Talk about a scary movie that I would watch over and over again. Mm-hmm. This and like the birds are maybe the ones that I would watch over <laughs> and over again. Uh, similarly, bad guys are animals. Um, but I think one of the things I really love about this movie is it is such a, um, it's such a, oh God, it's such a unique um, show that allows you to just sort of like get lost in total bizarre and fakeness but also it's so real because um like everybody goes to the beach and they're like oh was that a shark or was that a dolphin or was that this or was that that and like oh what touched my foot you know and all of that stemmed from this movie if you're wondering what just touched your foot the only film with the answer is steven spielberg's jaws 1975 (laughs) it will answer the question what touched my foot um it's so good it's full of nostalgia for me it's Mm -hmm. full of like so many so many great like acting moments and music moments another great john williams um uh creation here so i think this is one of those films i will watch and have watched over and over again um at least once a summer um to to watch this movie and sort of relive the joy that it brings me um but i also think the love of sharks and the love of this movie are very much at odds because as much as i love jaws (laughs) Mm -hmm. which i do i love it a lot it's my top five movies here people um it is almost a hundred percent of the reasons why people do not like uh, and are scared of oh, yeah. sharks. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it has created a huge rift in the water world because <laughs> <laughs> most people are so afraid of sharks. And they um, they are nervous that they're going to eat them. They're nervous that they're going to come up and, like, turn over their boat. You know, like, no shark can do that. Like, this isn't – that's not a real thing that can happen. Um but, but maybe and maybe if your boat was really small, then it could happen. But or if you have no um, boat and you're just a person, very dangerous. Right. Well, actually, no. <laughs> More people get killed by cows than get killed by sharks mm-hmm. every year. That is not a lie. That's a real fact. I, I, um, I've heard that fact before, and I, <laughs> I, I think the ocean itself is a big part of why people have a problem with sharks, if I had to guess. Because the ocean itself mm. might as well be outer space for the kind of animals True. that live inside of it, the kind of things that can kill you, the fact that the environment itself will kill you without very specific stuff and a lot of training. Mm-hmm. The ocean's a very... Ocean's scary, bud. I, I, I love the ocean. The ocean is super scary. I love it very but much. But you must respect oh, yeah. its power. Yeah. Um, and then also embrace it and go swim in it and live your life because the sharks are living theirs and they're not looking for you. So, although here's a sad fact about 2020 okay, and for it. sharks. 2020 was one of the more deadliest years for Uh-oh. shark attacks. It's not a bummer. Why is that? I don't Something know. to do with the sea think, temperature rising? Well, first of all, the 
sharks are very much in danger. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if we do not save or support and help the great whites, um, then they're going to go. And any sharks, right? They're all going to go. And then... It's going to create this huge rift in our, uh, you know, our nature circle mm-hmm. or what is it called? The food chain. <laughs> the food chain, yeah. Um, <laughs> the circle of life, yeah, if you want to get poetic about it. The circle of life. Yeah. Uh, and it really could have disastrous effects on the planet. Oh, the ecology and of the so, oceans. Yeah, absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. the, like the robustness of our coral reefs and seaweed and all the other uh, like flora and fauna underneath like the ocean if, make life if worth living. If sharks die, then there's not much hope for humans, yep. you know? And we are actively this is i'm going to go on a rant for a moment <laughs> we are fine. actively hunting them yeah we are actively eating um yeah eating them in our soup or whatever gourmet dish you happen to have mm-hmm. um and we are overfishing our oceans yep. which are forcing our sharks to push in to more shallow waters where you might be swimming which is why maybe 2020 was the deadliest year um and you know it's all of our fault Right. right. <laughs> All of it is our fault. Um, and it's really a bummer. Uh, and we got to do something and we got to do something quick. And that is my rant on what we need to do to save the sharks. Yeah. So there's lots of great organizations out there. If you want them, then DM us on our Instagram page or whatever. Um, but <laughs> but all this yeah. to say, <laughs> my love of sharks. Spiciest takes. Those can only be achieved <laughs> if you follow the Insta and message us. It's at Showstoppers Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, uh, at Showstoppers Podcast. You, uh, you can follow us. Follow us here. On <laughs> bring, bring your spicy shark takes to us. Bring, bring, bring uh, your controversial thoughts on whether or not sharks should exist. We'd love to hear them. They should. They should. Yeah, they're great. Um, sharks they are should exist. But all that said, my love of sharks and my love of this movie are very much at odds. Um, but I love this movie so much. <laughs> It's so good. And I think one of the reasons that I really, really love it is that um, it's so unrealistic. So let's let's just talk about the um, the elements of Jaws that cannot be real. Yeah. Um, so first, can a shark eat a human pr- basically whole? No, they can't. That's Who not says? a thing that can happen. Like their jawline says... Like they could like chomp on you, but you know, at the end when <laughs> when Robert Shaw is like being swallowed, yes, this- like that's not a thing. <laughs> so I was thinking of like this is how dumb I am. Like yeah, obviously the the Bruce the shark is bigger than most sharks. Um, yes. And so, but I was thinking of you know what I was considering was that famous picture of all the scientists standing in the jaws of a shark, but it would be yes, it, it was a dinosaur shark. It was from a species that hasn't existed for millions of years. But that's what I had in my head I was like no they're like four dudes standing inside of its mouth Jesse I'll send you the picture but it's real big it's not a megalodon (laughs) or whatever it's called not the meg yeah (laughs) exactly oh my goodness so first of all there's that Mm -hmm. if a shark would attack you he'd probably take like a chunk out of you like a leg or you know hope it's not a really vital organ you're probably going to be okay um you know so there's lots of different things that it would probably do before it swallows you whole yeah um so there's that uh uh that's not to say they're not dangerous they are dangerous but you're swimming in their house okay (laughs) if you have an option don't be bit and toyed with by a shark (laughs) so yep (laughs) um the other thing that a shark very likely could not do unless you were writing a really small 
boat or a really janky one like the one that they happen yeah. to be on in this movie is it probably couldn't disastrously like break down a boat like it did in this movie so i'm just going to dispel all of these myths uh-huh. um are there sharks as big as bruce i think there are big sharks out there yeah but the largest shark on the planet mm-hmm. is not one that wants to eat you no. uh and it is a whale shark that's right so drop in some knowledge <laughs> The, the the whale shark I think of very fondly because it was the kind of Me thing too. where like so, pretty. A, so beautiful and a museum would have like a huge version of it hanging from the ceiling or something and they'd you'd walk underneath it on your school trip and be like actually this guy's kind of cool like this guy hanging above <laughs> right. you nice dude like like yeah. brings my totally brings my nice. mail to me when I'm out of town uh, just like a good dude yes yeah. um but anyways I could go on and on about what's not realistic about this movie but I just want all of you. You, everyone who's out there who's watched this and has been really scared to know how <laughs> unlikely any of this stuff is to happen to you. That's true. That's true. And I'll tell you what, interesting fact about like after this movie came out, and uh, we're going to get into it in just a second, but the, the tourist, like the people in Martha's Vineyard were very concerned about the effect that this movie would have on there because it was the first movie to ever have filmed in Martha's Vineyard. Um, and tourism tripled the following summer after the movie came out this was such an enormous movie that despite the fact that it probably scared people off sharks forever uh, the number of actual human bodies coming to vacation in martha's vineyard tripled in the next year from about five thousand people to about fifteen thousand people so this was that that's how big this movie was and i i, I, I do you want to get into it i really want to talk about the movie yes, Jaws. let's go uh, enough about sharks well i i appreciate your shark facts one fun shark fact is that dolphins just fuck with sharks for no reason sometimes um <laughs> and dolphins which were my favorite animal as a kid and they, they'll just pick a fight with a shark and either kill them or beat them up for fun they don't eat sharks they're not they're not menaced by sharks in any way. Sharks don't affect their food supply. They just don't like them and sometimes they'll pick a fight because they're just smart enough to be bullies. Anyway, jaws. What the fuck dolphins? Yeah, not not nice. <laughs> dolphins are cool though too. Yeah, they're sick. <laughs> but jaws. Jaws. <laughs> Enough about the ocean. Let's talk about this movie. I, I imagine we'll touch on the ocean from time to time in our discussion on the movie too. Maybe. 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 We'll, we'll see. see. Uh, All right. So where do we even begin? Well, I think we have to talk about best performances in this movie. Okay, sure. Um, And here's one of the things I really love about Jaws. Uh Uh-huh. Jaws doesn't have an element of like, well, maybe it does a little bit, but it really ends poorly. Um, But it doesn't have an element of like a romantic relationship that ends with like a big kiss at the end. (laughs) Like. Thank goodness. This is um, the, the the one relationship I was referring to is the one at the very beginning, which which ends <laughs> very perilously. Um, which wasn't even a relationship. It was just two drunk kids on the beach. The guy was trying yeah. to hook up with the girl, and she was she was having fun. She was going on the water. She wanted to go out there. So actually, it's a great scene. Like that opening sequence of Jaws just builds so much tension um, and it creates such great suspense as to like what could have possibly killed her. Um, But I another fun fact that I learned about (laughs) Mm -hmm. as I was researching things about Jaws for this podcast um, was that the woman who the actress who played this um, played this gal. um, She didn't know when the first like that 
that shark really drags her around in that opening sequence. Uh-huh. But she didn't know when the first jolt was going to come. No. Um, they made it a surprise for her so that she wouldn't, so that her reaction would have been genuine. It's pretty and messed then, up, honestly. It's pretty messed up. <laughs> the second thing that's kind of messed up is they wanted to get the most realistic sound of someone this drowning. This is fucked. I saw this too. It's so Go ahead. This, this, this sucks so bad. Go ahead, Jesse. But this poor actress like had to put her mm-hmm. head under a microphone as they poured water mm-hmm. on top of her head mm-hmm. to get the real like oh, yeah she was waterboarded of her they drowning. waterboarded her <laughs> to get the sound her name is Susan Backliney. Uh I think she was like uh kind of like uh, a fun time girl of 70s cinema I think she would show up to be the hottie and take her clothes off and like raunchy like <laughs> high school comedies and stuff like that but she also awesome. like gives an incredible performance as someone being eaten by a shark and it sets the template for a movie that's going to completely redefine cinema <laughs> I tell you what stuck out to me and like usually we'd start with like a description of this movie um, but I don't think oh, that's true. necessary this time around no it's fine it's done like there's a big there's a big scary shark and there shouldn't be that's just Jaws um, but that that first scene opens up and I, I see them kind of flirting and their eyes connect over the campfire and they're playing guitars. And, you know, everyone is like smoking and drinking and it's the 70s. So they smell like shit, but they think each other are cute. Uh, and then they're running towards the beach. And the male performance in that is extremely effective because never before have I instantly thought, I hope that guy gets eaten by a fucking shark. <laughs> That guy sucks. He's just running like, I can swim. I'm too drunk, drunk to run. Like, swim. I'm coming too. It's like, no, send the shark to him. Have the shark eat this guy. And of course, he regrettably survives. And Susan Backlany is gone forever. You know, what is really unfortunate about that is he then like wakes up mm-hmm. on the beach. He's Having like, passed out happened? to the extent that he couldn't hear a shark attack. <laughs> and, like, right. The wails of What's this woman uh, several you? feet away from his head. Yeah. Oh, just terrible. So he wakes up and she is a goner and she he has no idea what happened. He and and when 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 he and Brody are on the beach the next morning, he's like, I don't know what happened. I don't she know, man. Drowned. I thought she was pretty cool um, and neat, but then she was like gone, which it fucking sucks, dude. We're trying to hang out. <laughs> yeah, what is up with that guy? That guy's I mean, a bummer. Sucks. I think I think maybe it's a bad actor. Like the right like if you had to write the most annoying person in the world, it would be that guy. I, I just I'm not expressing this very well, but folks, watch Jaws. It's on HBO just for the first scene of the most annoying human being on earth that should have been eaten by a shark and was not. You don't have to watch it for very long to, to yeah, understand. Like, what just we're watch the about. first scene. Probably not worth continuing past there, yeah. But let's let's talk a little bit about the impact of that first scene too. Yeah. You know, like that moment of holy shit, um, this this giant something, mm-hmm. which you know is a shark at yep. this point, but um, is is attacking these humans, and then it only gets progressively worse. Like the tension just continues to build, and the next big shark attack in the movie. Oh, we're really we're we're going one. light speed through this movie, Jess. Do you want to back up a second? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm just worried that we're, we're kind of all over the place right now. We wanted to go shark attack by shark attack. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Isn't that like the point of the movie Jaws? Shark I suppose. Attack? I suppose. Hey, hey, Scotchy. Hey, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, buddy. Go ahead. What do you want to say? Nope. 
Jesse, a uh, dog is being <laughs> sorry. Uh, yep. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to shut up. I'm never going to record in my living room ever if there, again. If there's one I just lesson, happen to have a... If there's one lesson we've learned from the movie Jaws is that nature cannot be reckoned with or controlled. Nature nature is unfeeling and unknowing. Uh, it it oh, is man. hubris to think you can wield it. So where do we want to go after the opening scene, though? <laughs> so Jaws is a movie released in 1975 about... Uh, about a determined small town mayor who's attempting to um, keep afloat the small town economy despite fear mongering from a, a hotshot New York sheriff. Is that right? <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> so Jaws is the movie that changed how movies are made. I just think like we should probably back up a little bit because Jaws was the first American movie to grow or a movie of any sort to gross a hundred million dollars uh, on its run. Damn, it did so. It, it ended up ha- uh, earning the equivalent of about half a billion dollars, which is your average Marvel movie now. But it did it on fewer than a thousand screens. Um, it was the third movie by Steven Spielberg, who's uh, we're now in the second uh, movie of his in this series. Um, and it is generally regarded by right-thinking people as one of the most well-constructed movies ever made, as one of the most sincerely delightful, well-crafted, and horrifying movies in existence. It's one of the peak artistic accomplishments of human beings. I just wanted to give it credit for that. <laughs> sharks are getting a lot of Back love. To shark right? right, exactly. <laughs> And I, I love sharks as much as the next person, not as much as Jesse, clearly. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we give some credit to the folks who made a movie about it. You know? Well, that is really cool. Uh, and probably something I didn't even necessarily know about Jaws because my attachment to this movie is so <laughs> different animals. <laughs> than everybody else's attachment to this movie. So why is it, why is it known as the perfect movie? I, I think, uh, well... It's a weird timeline in the cultural reception of this because it was an immediate smash hit. Um, as soon as uh, the production studio saw the first cut of the movie, they poured in the equivalent of $700,000 into its promotional materials alone. So they spent almost a million dollars, which is a nightmarishly high amount of money back in 75, to promote this movie. It was originally supposed to come out the winter previous to its opening, um, but got pushed for whatever reason into the actual summer, which is why it came out, which is seems like a silly backwards way to release a movie that's exactly like this. This is definitely a summer movie. And that that one little mistake of fate created the summer blockbuster. So this movie was an enormous smash hit. It was the highest grossing movie of all time, not even digested for inflation. It was just the biggest movie of all time. And it established that genre movies like a horror movie or a thriller or just a shark attack thing, which would like, be rightfully laughed at before this movie could mm-hmm. is basically the only way production companies should be making money making movies which is the wrong lesson to take from something like this but it did have what a lot of people said to be a negative impact on movie production going forward because then this is the only type of movie that makes any money that was the initial wave of like it's good he's fine it's his third movie we'll see but is this really what should we should be defining this art form around and then like years and years later after star wars and the indiana jones movies have come out and kind of made good on the promise of jaws and production companies have made a shit ton of money the critical consensus has come back around with enough time to say well this is this is beautiful 
Like it still we, stands up. It still stands up. It's just it it's so gorgeous to look at, so well acted, so well shot. Yes. And it it just it didn't become a well respected classic until a few years after it had been released. Because the conversation at first was like, well, okay, it's fine, it's a shark attack movie, but let's not take away attention from everything else. This is like trash. And then it came to be considered a classic much later, which is interesting. Mm. That is super interesting. And I actually I love knowing that a little bit because when I think one of the reasons why I get so psyched about this movie is because it is so well constructed, you know, there that it takes you along on its journey throughout, like from shark attack to shark attack mm-hmm. to, you know, th- the shark is on the hunt to we're on the hunt for the shark. Yep. Um, and I think that. Like I said, it doesn't have the sweeping romance, but it's sort of the the it, it is taken the place of the fascination of this shark and conquering this beast mm-hmm. that's terrorizing our town. And if there is a love um, story, it's probably between Quint and Death, between Quint and the shark. He's dedicated his entire life to hunting and killing the things that tormented him. And like, yeah, let go. You have to like spend some time <laughs> on Quint because. He is hands down my favorite part of this movie. I was thinking so. Um, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. He is so freaking good. <laughs> um, this guy, Robert Shaw, mm-hmm. uh, who wasn't even supposed to be cast no. in this movie. Uh, he was like the third, third or fourth yeah. choice for this role. Mm-hmm. I can't see it as anybody else. No, of course not. Um, this is the guy the scene okay this is my favorite scene of the whole movie and then you have to tell me what yours is maybe it's the same one but um my favorite scene of the whole movie is right after the we're gonna need a bigger boat famous line Mm -hmm. um and they are they're in the the bunker of the of the boat oh yeah getting a little shwasty and they're having this moment, and I love it so much, where they are comparing scars. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know, anyone would do. Um, at Like, ooh, who got hurt the worst by a big shark, right? And then, and then sort of the mood changes, and the lights go down, and the music goes off. And Quint tells the story of the USS Indianapolis. Sure does. And, and how a real he story, got, by the way. A real story, mm-hmm. and it's featured on Shark Week every year. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, what happened was <laughs> this big submarine, which nobody knew about because it was on a private mission, mm-hmm. got blasted. Was it a boat? It was a it was boat. A boat. It was a submarine. Yeah. Uh, it got, got shot blasted. by a submarine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the boat goes down, hundreds and hundreds of men in the water. And they are hunted, and Quint tells this so frighteningly mm-hmm. um, about how these men are now have become the prey of these sharks, and they're just being they they've tried to move themselves into these ponds, um, but they the sharks keep picking them off one by one by one, um, and he says. Even after the rescue had started, men were still dying, and the ones that were left in the water were wearing life jackets. And he says, never again nope. will I wear a life jacket. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This <laughs> moment is so good. And then to top it off, the scene ends with the um, maybe one of m- the most memorable scenes in my mind in in or rather moments in my mind is when they start to sing, I'm tired and I want to go home. 
Oh my god. It's gosh. perfect. Of course that's the best scene of the movie. Yeah, the USS Indianapolis. It's the best scene. It's the best scene in most movies. Like you considering like if you're in the middle of some other movie and like the holiday for instance and you happen to remember <laughs> or like your mind drifts to the USS Indianapolis scene in Jaws, that's the best part of the holiday. It's the best part of every movie. So yeah, this yeah, of course. It's it's perfect. It's so great. There's the incredible gag of <laughs> Uh, <laughs> of him saying you're wearing a sweater when he goes to show him his oh, heart. Oh, yes. <laughs> Perfect joke. Um, no, that's the best. I think, like, what the scene that got to me this time was the uh, the the scene at their dinner table before uh, Hooper comes over to go investigate mm. the shark when, uh, when Brody and his son are just mimicking each other's hand motions. Like, the son is just watching him. Oh, and, like, yeah. tint his fingers and, like, rub his hands over his face. And he says, give us a kiss. Why? Because I need it. It, it. It's a beautiful thing. Like that, that, that scene really stuck out to me this time around because that's mm. like, this is why people still love your movie 40 years later on. Uh, that It's moments like that that make us invest and see these people as human beings. And it's the, the, the subtle magic of movie making there. Just a, like taking the time for that scene. But yeah, let, let's talk about our boys. Detail. Let's talk about our fearless men. How about that? Love that. Uh, well, Quint, we we could not talk enough about nope. his like grit uh, and his like little bandanas that he wears mm-hmm. and are just all so fantastic and create this character that is so memorable in your mind. That's an archetype that will be um, repeated forever in in nearly absolutely. every movie. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Brody, who we've talked about here and there, um, played by Roy Scheider. That's right. Um, and he is also very good. He said he's got such a seventies look to me. He's the most seventies um, looking man on the planet. Absolutely, he is. <laughs> he just looks like he was taken. I mean, this movie was filmed a long time ago, obviously, but uh, he looks like he was taken right out of the seventies. He's um, what, what stuck out to me this time, and you you just put your finger on it. He is. I kept thinking of Jimmy Stewart the whole time on this particular rewatch of him because he has that same kind of every man, like really just instantly lovable yes. quality. But he is the 1970s Jimmy Stewart. Like that is his mm. entire vibe. Like he's still that every man guy, has the quality of being like handsome enough dude, um, nice guy, uh, can just basically play in any scenario. But he does have this kind of 70s like uh, cynicism about him. Like he's always calling bullshit on something inside of his own head which really makes sense mm-hmm. for the time period yeah that he's so great and and an actor i'm yeah. not terribly familiar with because i've seen some of the stuff no. he's in um but jaws is i think um i i would understand if people around our age would only ever have seen him in this movie in this movie alone yeah i'm looking at some of his other other stuff and i you know not a lot is jumping well, all that jazz, uh, Sorcerer, yeah. The French Connection. He's in some really good stuff that I've seen since. And so it's like, oh, hey, it's Brody. Hey, bud, I missed you. Um, but it, it would be understandable if, if people, because he is he's an Oscar winning actor. He He's a very, very famous person of his time period. But I think he died pretty young, died at 2008 mm. and had been retired for a while before then. Um but yeah, I, it'd be understandable if this like totem of the '70s is only known to like most people as the uh, as the chief of police in Jaws. Yeah, and I think one of the things that makes this character super unique is one, he hates the water and he lives on an island, so yep. that's a shtick that happens throughout the movie. Yep. Two, he has this really great uh, like sort of um, uh, indignance towards authorities that. Yeah. 
probably shouldn't have the power to make the decisions that <laughs> they're making because they're making bad ones. Um, what? And, <laughs> um, and you see that when after the first gal dies in the movie and the the mayor is like but we gotta make this work because we have a big festival that's gonna bring a lot of um money to our town and mm-hmm. blah 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 you know and obviously economy is a huge part of uh the reason why the world turns but should we risk people's lives because of it i don't know yeah swimming Perhaps is cool not. and sharks aren't that scary um so <laughs> let, let's take a second to talk about uh, uh murray hamilton as mayor vaughn because i uh, yeah. it's really it's a completely different experience watching Mayor Vaughn in the post-Trump world. Um, it's, it really is, isn't it? It's an immediate parallel. It's like, it seems almost hacky how similar they are to each other. And it's, <laughs> then you realize like, well, this kind of person has been in the ether forever. This kind of person has yeah. always been around. Um, Mayor Vaughn uh, is trying to get people killed, but he has an incredible, incredible anchor jacket that I want very much. Yes. <laughs> It is very good. <laughs> the 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 fashion in this movie is, and we're not forgetting about Richard Dreyfuss. We'll spend some time with my boy, but no, we the, won't the, about the fits in this movie are stellar. The, this may be my like like the nineteen sixties we've talked about in the past. Like everyone looks incredible, of course, everything's well tailored. This might be my favorite time period of men's fashion. Yeah. And what's nice about it is you get to spend so much time in men's fashion, oh, yeah. which is nice as well. And so many different um, outfits. There's water wear. <laughs> there's a, a, a fancy press conference where uh, Quint is going to scratch the chalkboard. There's boat wear. There's leisure wear. There's everything. All of it. Uh, and much of it would be in fashion in vogue right now. I was just thinking, like, when, when our boy Hooper, when Richard Dreyfuss first shows up, the fit is extremely good uh we have the beanie we have the denim jacket the washing jacket same tone denim jeans uh the sweater have underneath. the crew neck ooh, sweatshirt Ooh, good look good look you have the wire rim glasses back in style now everybody mm-hmm. who lives in our city who is of a certain age looks exactly like hooper mm-hmm. every single person he is hooper is a thousand percent back in fashion right oh 100 yeah it's a great look it's a great look <laughs> Um, let's talk about Richard Dreyfus. What's your Let's do it. What's your experience with Richard Dreyfus, bud? I mean, I very much enjoy him in this movie. Um, I sort of similar to Roy. I, I haven't seen a lot of Richard Dreyfus okay. movies in okay. general. No Close Encounters, uh, like American no, uh, Graffiti, American, you know, Mr. No Holland's Close Opus. Encounters. Yep, not um not super in the Richard Dreyfus canon here but uh i definitely like him in this movie i think he kind of plays a really nice balance between um brody and quint Mm -hmm. um because he has he has the passion of quint but um he's also less rigid than brody so he plays a nice like um antithesis to both of those two characters um but uh, the other thing I've been thinking a lot about is what if they were to make Jaws, remake Jaws? And I think that this character of Hooper should be played by a woman in the remake. Maybe so. She, uh, it likely I think would. it would be yeah. bad ass. Um, <laughs> like, no romance element. We're leaving that part out of it. But uh, I definitely think in the remake of Jaws, this 
that character would be played by a badass woman scientist. More um, girls, no horniness. These are the Jesse rules. <laughs> no horny, yes. more ladies. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyways, I was thinking about that as, as I was rewatching it today. Um, and maybe that could happen because the shark would be way cooler to those haters about the shark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I disagree with that very particular point. I would say that if the movie were made today, we'd get a lot more of the shark um, because of the advances mm-hmm. in technology. And CGI is still not there. It's still not indistinguishable from real life. And I think that would maybe... Uh, take away from it. Would it. Def- it would definitely take away from it. That's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Which is a version... We don't see... Go ahead. Did you see that fact that was like, we don't see the shark yeah. until like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie? Um, that's pretty spectacular. You know exactly what this thing looks like, uh-huh. um, how menacing it is, yep. but you've never seen it. No. It's the power of imagination that's and it. it's beautiful. Which is another fun accident of the production of this movie. The production of this movie was a disaster. Um, they went way over budget, went way over time. It was Spielberg's third movie. They were shooting on the damn ocean, which is impossible to do. Um, He was inexperienced. He was naive. Spielberg, I'm referring to. And I think um, that is part of the part of the magic of this particular movie is that because he was so naive, he didn't know where to compromise already. He hadn't been kind of sanded down and he insisted on doing all these things practically that, I mean, could have gotten people killed, almost did in a couple instances. And if the movie were made now, it would um, cost three times as much money to make and look about half as good as this movie does. Um, You're so right. Because one of the magic pieces of this movie is the shark, like Mm. is the mechanical shark that is Bruce. That's right. Bruce. Which is what they named it. Who's my best Um, friend. I love Bruce. I love him very much. And subsequently, I'm just putting two and two together. The Great White in Finding Nemo is also named Bruce. That is correct. Um, So uh, anyways, this mechanical shark is like beautiful, you know, to an audience watching this. When this movie was made, that thing is real AF. Yes, it is. Um, And even to a certain extent now, like you don't need, you don't really need it to be the perfect like CGI shark, exactly. It, it it does everything it needs to by just being what it is. Yeah. Um. And the fact that you don't see it, but you recognize its power by it, the fact that it can take these buckets under <laughs> water, uh, which is impossible for any sort of normal creature, right? Too, um, yeah. It's a great system. Um, so, it's a great system. I'm not sure if that existed prior to the book coming out or the this movie, <laughs> but just like the elegance of those barrels filled with air preventing right. a shark from submerging, really beautiful, really good stuff. But yeah, Bruce really awesome. Bruce being a physical object because the, the, the what's the biggest scare of the movie? The biggest scare is the the chumming scene when uh, Roy Scheider yes. is down there saying, "I want you to come down here and chum some of this shit," which was a movie clip that was available on my friend Ryan's new HP computer um, that his family got. And it came with a real player already installed on it with some preloaded movie clips. And I remember almost every single one of them and they're burned in my brain because we would just watch them over and over again. (laughs) That chumming scene is on there. And I'm like, what the hell is this movie? This rules. Um, Because a physical object that's shaped like a shark coming out of the water next to a human being for what could be like 
40 frames of actual film, something like very, very, very quick, like lightning fast. That is one of the most effective things that's ever scared me as a person. It's, it's enormous and it's right there and the sun is hitting it and behaving the way it would affect a real shark in real life. Practical effects are very, very good. And I, I, will, I will never not stop to comment on them. They're, they're the best. Yes, agreed. Um, but wait, tell me your thoughts on Richard Dreyfus. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Sorry. He's great. I love him. He's great. Um, <laughs> he's uh, I've always kind of liked him, even though I know like that he seemed like a prick. And when you're a kid that <laughs> I, I don't love it. I like when I'm a little kid, because I'll watch What About Bob? And he's just like the straight man to Bill Murray. He's, he's His performance in that movie is incredible. But then I'll watch Mr. Holland's Opus, uh, which is a movie I really weirdly loved as a teenager. Um, <laughs> and then going back to this, Richard Dreyfuss is just kind of a fascinating guy. He had a really interesting yeah. career. I think he could be very difficult to work with, and he got kind of a reputation in Hollywood. So he he should have produced a lot more than he did. Um, and just reading about him and Robert Shaw behind the scenes of this movie is my one of my favorite parts of Jaws because they fucking hated each other. And Robert Shaw was such a dickhead to him the entire time. Um, Tell us more. I will. I, will I would more. love to. Not to, not to speak ill of the dead, but I think Robert Shaw died at 51. I think he was a very, very heavy drinker. And he had kind of like a, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of vibe to him mm. um all the quotes from the cast members like well he was a lovely guy until he got a single drink in him then he turned into an absolute evil prick um wow and he he just spent the entire run of the movie like kind of picking on richard dreyfus in particular and it could have been like <laughs> i i don't know that he was a method actor i think that he wasn't but he would just be constantly berating richard dreyfus and uh calling him a pussy and challenging him to uh jump off the the mast of the actual orca ship uh and oh eventually um the what what's on screen is really beautiful because their dynamic is great because it's it's, that, it's awesome. exactly that calling him like a rich kid with soft hands the entire movie yeah. but their dynamic is really wonderful and then when the dam finally breaks when they start when they get drunk together um and they're just like putting each other's legs on the table and like and just mm -hmm. like being buddy buddy that that's one of the reasons that scene is as good as it is is because it's you true. feel the tension leave and they found something in common which is being drunk uh and yeah, that, that dynamic is really, really great. But apparently Robert Shaw was a r real dickhead behind the scenes. Wow, that's nuts. Did you also read that thing that right when um, Shaw got there to start filming, uh, the house he was like staying in, they put him up in, got shot at? Because no. whoever was, sh yeah, whoever was sh um, shooting thought it was empty. So they were just kind of <laughs> like, you know, aiming and firing. Uh <laughs> And it turns out Robert Shaw and his partner were in there. Um, <laughs> that's that's messed up, man. Why, why, is, that why is someone just unloading into the side of a house in Martha's Vineyard? <laughs> What's happening? Do not know. <laughs> Some real seventies behavior. Bizarre. Um, but anyways, that's the thing that 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 uh, that happened. I, I can't top that. My my favorite fun fact about Robert Shaw behind the scenes, behind besides his antics, which are like now now that it's been enough time, are very funny. Uh, was, was that he was in tax trouble with the with Ireland um, and with America for that matter. So he could not spend more than a few days at a stretch in the United States before they would apply a different tax bracket to his earnings on the film. So 
every weekend he would be flown to Canada to stay within a margin of days spent in the U.S. and not have to pay taxes to the States. Uh, Oh, my God. King shit. King behavior. Uh, So, like, in between shooting days, they would just have to fly his ass up to Canada, and then he would just be flown back when it's his time to shoot again. Very interesting man, Robert all of this was worth it because his performance (laughs) He's perfect. It's the best. He could have set Steven Spielberg on fire, and it would still be worth it because of the performance we got. That's fine. He's so good. (laughs) From the very opening moment of, oh, you folks know who I am, what I do for a living. It's it's just yes, yes, a million percent. Like the the nails on the chalkboard, him talking in his like really weird patois uh, uh, accent, and just <laughs> I I'm so in love with Quint from moment one. And there's a reason yes. that the Quint type has shown up in every adventure and genre movie forever. It's a trope for a reason. I really mm-hmm. really love Quint. I think about him a lot. I hope he's well out there. You know. In shark heaven. Me too. In shark heaven. Man, and the ultimate irony of him, uh, and we were sort of talking about this before we started recording, but we were sort of talking about this idea that he makes a lot of stupid decisions while he's out there because he is so crazed to catch this shark. So... You know, he he breaks the the phone to to call for help or <laughs> sure get does. any sort of backup in there. Like he is determined. I think that comes from a place of like I want to catch him. Yeah. Um, and we're not letting anybody else help us, which this is, is unhealthy, and, but maybe understandable given the, the yeah, story he tells us. Unraveling. <laughs> yep. Um, the shark is unraveling him and I think probably putting him back in a place of PTSD to yep. this moment that he's had with the USS Indianapolis um, and being stranded on the water um, because this shark is hunting them much like the sharks hunted these men in the water. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of see him revert to this place where he's... Um, you can't talk to him. He's not in a place where he's going to listen to you. Um, he's trying to save and, his fellow soldiers still. Like everything yeah. he does to kill the shark, he's trying to make up for the fact that he couldn't rescue those men in the water back mm-hmm. then. Um, it, 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 the story of the USS Indianapolis, it, it sucks. It's one of the worst things that's ever happened on planet it's Earth. Awful. Like I would, I remember very distinctly my dad being a big World War II buff, would always have something on the History Channel on. And he pulled me over and said, listen to this. Because it was a small documentary about the whatever surviving crew of that uh, of that incident were left, describing like day in and day out what, what that happened, experience yeah. was. And wh- I remember so vividly, and it took me years to connect it to that's what Quint's talking about, someone describing yes. that one of their soldiers next to them in their little pod Um, had been kind of driven mad from dehydration and the entire experience and the PTSD and all of it. And he said, "Uh, I'm just, I'm going to go, I'm going to go under deck for some fresh water. I'll be back in a second. And he swims down um, because he's hallucinating. Like he thinks he's going down for fresh water. So he goes down a few feet, 
chugs a whole bunch of salt water and then eventually dies later that Doesn't day. Come back. Yeah. It's one of the worst things uh. that's ever happened to human beings. This experience, it sucks. Uh, and knowing that he went through that and the guilt that would come with having survived that and not feeling mm, worth yeah. like the survivor's guilt there. Um, I think any number of things are completely explicable from the, from Quinn's perspective. So him saying, no, they don't know what they're doing. Shut the radio down or I'll like pull it out of the wall or whatever. Saying they don't deserve to kill this shark. This shark killed my yeah. friends is Quint the entire movie. And it's mm-hmm. good. Hey, Jaws is a good movie. You guys. Hey, it's it's a real good movie. Um, but I just thought something that you said was really interesting. So I didn't quite connect the two either. Like I had known of the USS Indianapolis right. independently of Jaws. And then, you know, at some point I was watching it and my brain went, like, they're the same thing. Yeah, you holy know? shit. Um, and it's so funny because I think you don't, um, maybe as a young person, presumably when we saw this movie, you're not sort of connecting those dots in the same way. But um, also when you do realize it, you're like, holy crap. Because my experience and introduction to um, that bit of history is through a similar channel. Like my, my dad's a world war two buff as well. And, you know, has watched a ton of movies slash documentaries. And that documentary is one that is on often. Often. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, and so, I, I've, you know, you've seen that and then making those the connection between the two is just almost like artistic because it makes that moment for Quint so much more impactful mm-hmm. uh, when you watch it again. Uh, that scene in the movie is the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Yeah, the, because there there is some stuff that happens on either side of him telling that story. But the, the there's a reason like, yeah, that that's one of the best scenes ever put on film. Like just, it really just is. back up. A fun story about that is that Robert Shaw came in and tried to get method with that scene. So he showed up to work either like this may have been what he was going to do anyway, but he showed up completely tanked for that scene. Like he had gotten really drunk because he was like, no, it should be more real if I did it this way, et cetera. Or he just wanted an excuse to drink. Um, But then none of the footage was usable from there. (laughs) And he comes back the (laughs) next day, tail at his legs, like stone sober, like and apologized to Spielberg says, I'm so very sorry. And then got it in one take. That is wow. the only time he's ever told that story, is the take that we see in that movie. That's crazy. Nuts. That's crazy. Good actor. Robert Shaw, talented Good man. Actor. Gone too soon. <laughs> Poor decision quality at some points, <laughs> but great actor. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm wondering about, like, I think that's... Are the, was the teeth thing real when he pulls out his teeth? Oh, I don't know. Do you think he has false teeth? Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I just interrupted you for he no might. reason at all. He might. He might have false teeth. Could I would be. believe that he... Well, he doesn't have any teeth anymore, did. Jesse. He's dead. A shark ate him. The shark ate a him. A shark That's ate right. him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't even remember what I was going to say. Oh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was there, but it was gone. But um, I think the other thing that you know sort of brings us to the close of this movie um, is after, after we've said goodbye to Quint, um, the boat is actively sinking. Yes. Um, and you get this great moment where Brody gets to really conquer this thing. Yeah, he does. Uh, that's been hunting, 
hunting him and uh, and his family and his town. And he gets to uh, die. And, and I, I think this man craves death and he gets to die in a way that at least brought some poetry to his end. You know, he he went down chasing the thing he loved, which was sharks. He's oh, in love Quint, with sharks. Yes. Yeah, Quint. He yeah, definitely yeah, did. <laughs> Um, he and that is like the a great irony of this movie is he he is he, he survived this big moment and then he went out to sort of seek revenge on this thing that brought him and mm-hmm. his peers so much harm mm-hmm. and then ultimately is killed by the same means swallowed um, by your art swallowed by exactly. your obsession yeah Oh, so good. Brilliant. That scene is um, so long of him being eaten by a shark. I know. That it is long. conveyor belt effect of the orca singing into the water <laughs> and him just sliding down and trying to like put his feet on the nose of Bruce and like keep himself out. <laughs> this, okay. This movie is PG. It is rated PG. Um, can we... This movie's gross. This movie is extremely violent, very gory. Like that shot of Okay, so some of the most violent things that happen in this movie from an uncharacteristically violent director. Like Spielberg is not a very visceral filmmaker at all. It's not okay. what he's known for. Some things that happen in this movie. So after the first girl is killed on the beach, we see her washed up leg on the beach covered with crabs. Fun fact behind the scenes. Which is clearly like a <laughs> mannequin by the way it is not a mannequin jesse it, it is actually they buried a cat a crew member uh and with just her legs sticking out of the sand because they had used the mannequin it wasn't realistic enough uh and then to get the crabs to scuttle over it someone this this really stuck out to me as like animals were not terribly respected in the 70s um <laughs> one of the crew members poured hot coffee on the crabs to get them to move around uh, right before they rolled film great great stuff oh my god yeah just poured hot coffee on crabs well, you know what's so funny i was watching that scene today and i was like that body does not look realistic <laughs> <laughs> so they should have kept with the mannequin save themselves the trouble it's like i guess maybe it's one of the shots that i'm thinking of it's the shot where you see her hair and like a hand the hand does not look real. Maybe, the hand looks pl- maybe like not. I think what it, it's very framed. It's almost like a tableau that they've created because you have the netting from uh, from yeah. Brainer in and the crabs and the seaweed and the sand and everything is really like short focus on her and the rest is obscured. So it, it almost it looks like a painting because it basically is one. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it does seem a little unrealistic, I guess. Uh, then yeah. moving on, the head that emerges underneath the water when Richard Dyfus is taking his first dive down there and there is a dang baby octopus living in its eye cavity um yeah. my eye goes right oh, to it every time it's so, <laughs> it's so um good. and that scene is so scary uh-huh. like you know it's coming you know it's about to pop uh-huh. out and it's gonna be here any minute but uh-huh. every time your heart just goes <gasps> yeah <laughs> you just get so freaked out it's very scary it's very scary the uh the shark attack that actually prompts them to uh hire quint and take out the orca is when uh, Michael uh, Brody's son is almost killed, um, and yeah, and th- we didn't even talk about like the kid dying, the kid which dying. is also it's an intense moment. Like you see mm-hmm. this blood shooting out as the so shark is attacking blood. this young kid. Um, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> So it's such a curious thing, yeah, because we go on to see, like, when the adult is killed also, that his leg is bitten off and just floats down in the water, which looks incredible. This movie is gross. (laughs) Um, But 
it, it's weird to to talk about the movie's like subtlety in terms of showing its big enemy, but like it's destru- the enemy's destruction is showed so viscerally throughout the entire movie and shot so like beautifully and composed so well. It's like watching an episode mm-hmm. of Hannibal for a lot of the runtime of this movie, which is PG. Um, rating systems were different back then. And yeah, apparently. Yeah. It, so I think that's maybe the way the subtlety works with Bruce so much is because we don't see him, but his effect is uh, rendered so viscerally and in such great and shocking detail the whole time. That's how you sell your villain. Just see, like show mm-hmm. his wake, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, okay. So this is something I was reading earlier and I just found it again. Mm-hmm. So the, the, Martha's Vineyard had a, a local named Craig Kingsbury, who was the inspiration for much of Robert Shaw's um, character as oh, awesome. Quint. Um, but he is the head that pops out. <gasps> in no that way. Scene. Oh, that's yeah. great. Good for him. Good for Craig. He also <laughs> plays the role of Ben Gardner. I think mm-hmm. he's one of the two the two dudes who almost gets eaten. They're out sort of fishing probably when they're not supposed to be. Is he one scene. of the Yeah, is it where they tie the the wife's uh like Sunday roast to a tire and throw it in the water? Yes. He's one of the guys on the yes. dock that rules. That rules. That scene's great. Um, Just a couple of dirt bags. I'll also call <laughs> yeah. out um like the like the general the townsfolk of Amity. Um are not the average Martha's Vineyard resident these days. It was a very different place back then because the, when they showed the scene of like the, the cavalry coming out and they put the bounty on the fish's head and all those townsfolks are getting their boats together and like rubbing blood all over the side of the boat and stuff like that. It's like just 50 of the biggest dirt bags the seventies produced getting in their tiny little boats going to certain death. <laughs> it's a great scene. Great scene. Pretty stellar. <laughs> I also, also love that scene and it's really early on in the movie they're on the boot the, the booch the booch <laughs> the beach mm-hmm. um and there there was sort of some comment about um well how do i when do i get to i think it's brody's wife saying when do i get to become an islander uh and then this woman who's clearly an islander yeah. is like you you weren't born here you'll never be an islander i'm so sorry sweetie you gotta be born here uh-huh. um i just i i caught that moment that, today that's more in line uh, with and i never these days i think that's yeah. uh, the, 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 that speaks better to the class system that lives there um so you had mentioned earlier the the town of ogunquit is part of your personal history with yes uh, with jaws uh, i wanted to jump in with that because yeah every like, I've had the chance to go and visit Ogunquit a couple of times, both times with you. Uh, one Only one of those times were you becoming married during that time. So you, <laughs> yes. you celebrated, your, celebrated your wedding up there. Um, but yeah, the, this town is like, I maybe it's just that every beachside town in the Northeast is yeah, kind of a clone of the, the other. They're all yeah. the exact same town. Um, a fascination of mine, because we... We didn't vacate. We were not from the Northeast. We vacationed in Door County, Wisconsin, which is kind of like the no coast version of Martha's Vineyard. It's another like like lakeside town. It's Lake Superior, so it's huge. Um, the economy of these towns has always really fascinated me because they're basically mm-hmm. popping for three months out of the year, and all mm-hmm. of the like all of the shops in the most picturesque 
point of any of these towns basically just sell garden rocks with the name of the town on them or some stupid touristy (laughs) bullshit like that Um, are uh are these money laundering operations for the super wealthy in the northeast i'll come right at it is that oh that's a good question these places are not making money jesse are these tax shelters for the ultra rich so I, I, you know, valid question. I don't actually know the answer. Very well. I'm going to uncover guess. this shit. This is Walter um, White buying the uh, car wash. This is money laundering, yes. bud. This is money laundering. Oh, love that show, by the way. Um, I've been rewatching that great. too. It's a very good show. <laughs> the car wash. Everything that happens at the car wash is just so good. The car wash also um, comes from my favorite period of that show. I think, like once, yeah, uh, yeah, once Skylar's on board and they're uh, they're they're working with Gus, but they're thinking about not working with Gus anymore. Oh, and that's a good it's show. Just so good. That's a good show. It's a great show. We digress, <laughs> but um, it's it is true that this beach town. Its entire, its entire, you know, success mm-hmm. hinges upon the three months of this, you know, four months of the year that's yeah. nice weather, and people can sit out on the beach. And oh my God, here's the part that is money laundering. Okay, go for the it. The parking, <laughs> the parking. That's just extortion, on the time buddy. Yeah. Of day. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> depending on the time of day, you will pay upwards of $50 for a parking space close to the beach. And if you brought a lot of stuff, you're probably going to pay more mm-hmm. money to park closer yes, to the beach. Are. Yes, you are. Um, and it is, it's A, brilliant. A, because like beautiful. at, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, those parking spaces go down to like 10 bucks. And but, I don't, I don't want to blow up Ogunquits or York Spot, but that was a very pleasant experience we had there. Because I, I think it's like the less populated version of Cape Cod or, uh, or yes. Martha's Vineyard in this case i think it's like more slept on by most people so i don't want to ruin that for everybody but if you guys have half a chance and want to go to what's basically amity and enjoy some nice reasonably priced beach accommodations oh gunquit maine <laughs> check it out pretty it's good stellar uh we definitely need to go back at some point whenever it's you're just ready. fun beautiful and you just get to hang out and my parents will cook you dinner you know like <laughs> uh-huh. Or you'll cook my parents' dinner, which is actually what happened. That's actually, that's um, one of the best experiences of my life. I'm not joking. That little <laughs> trip up there, like, we don't want to spend time on the show talking about a, a weekend we spent uh, with some friends from work. But that was so lovely. Thank you again for that. Lovely. Shouts out to Mike and Mary, two lovely people. <laughs> Hope you like the ribs. Two wonderful people. <laughs> Those ribs were damn good. Um, but anyways, this town is essentially Amity, as you say. And it definitely, you know, there's a reason why the mayor did not want these three months to be ruined mm-hmm. by a shark yeah uh and and you and you feel that like even thinking about this year i would say a was still like i went to still a couple of times um uh and we just drove up there and stayed pretty close to home mm-hmm. um and didn't do a lot of the beach stuff because of you know rona and stuff but um was Ogunquit pretty I wide imagine... open when you were up there last where they like pretty much open for business across the board up there they were open but there were definitely like the limitations and just in terms of crowdedness Mm -hmm. it was very much less than i've ever seen it (laughs) before um but at the same time there was still it was still um people were still going um because people needed an escape at that point (laughs) in time and if you had the ability to do it you were probably doing it um and we had the luxury of being able to be somewhat isolated because my parents have that that little house. But, um, you know, I think it's 
it's definitely uh, it's definitely probably suffered as it's have many hugely towns, destructive you know? to an economy built around that built around people yeah. from all over coming to a centralized place and spending time around each other um, and it the jaws is a corona metaphor is not anything the world needs right now like we obviously <laughs> there are some parallels there but it, it just hits different this year than it would any other year the mayor vaughn storyline hits way different this year yeah. than it has previously um i agree just uh, one more example of the movie being prescient and uh great and excellent so moral of the story mm-hmm. is that this is one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time Absolutely. even today i was so excited to talk about it i was so excited to rewatch it today yeah. like i couldn't help but text you as i was watching it as like, we were oh both God, rewatching it's it so good. because it's so good <laughs> i a little bit wanted to be fresh on this movie to talk about it which is why yeah. we're watching it i a lot of bit just wanted to watch jaws again um exactly this movie's perfect oh. buddy this the like it's one of those things where you watch it and it's like well there's not I've, I probably made this point before on this show, but there, there's not a movie that's better than Jaws. Uh, certainly no. not at accomplishing what it sets out to accomplish, which is uh, like telling a really tight narrative about the uh, of man versus nature. Like it's it's such mm-hmm. a perfect story about that. It has all the right popcorn elements. It's shot beautifully. Um, I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, I think I think we've exhausted it. I think <laughs> the 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 end of the day, it's a go watcher. Watch it again if this is you like refreshing your memory on the amazingness that oh, yeah. is Jaws. And then maybe donate to a shark conservatory. Oh yeah, effort. absolutely. Jo- donate to an environmental uh, cause that has helped cleaning our world's oceans. Yeah, because um, that'd be cool too. <laughs> It'd be cool, like like. From a selfish perspective of like, we might be the last generation that grew up with seafood. Uh, like we're that close mm. to like having wiped out entire populations um, for where, where the actual chemical composition of the ocean is becoming unsustainable to life. Uh, but also it's like this world is a blessing. Uh, humans are a parasite for the most part. Do what you can to undo the damage we've done. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Go do it. <laughs> any other, um, any last thoughts on right. the, the movie Jaws 1975 about a shark? I just really love that we're doing a top five series. So I got this the is excuse so much fun, to though. watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think, you know, from here we have so, we still have a little ways to go. Yeah. We're only on to my second and um, still and only then, done my first. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we've got to, to keep chugging along here. Mm-hmm. So we'll have some more great content for you soon. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, my list changes basically every day. Um, <laughs> You're adjusting and readjusting. I'm adjusting, yeah, because Jaws did inspire me to uh, bring in my favorite perfect action movie, which we very well may cover soon. Anyway, I don't have my answer yet as for the next episode. It's going to be a surprise, basically. Yeah, me too. I think <laughs> I know what I'm going to have you watch next, though. Do you want to tell me? I know it, so... <laughs> okay it's very different okay than my first two is it the holiday no damn it <laughs> but it is a reese witherspoon classic Ooh, which one it is legally blonde hell yeah dude Woo! <laughs> legally blonde's good as hell yeah i look forward to discussing it's that so one. good some iconic shit top that five <laughs> that's right well, i would certainly hope so jesse yeah <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, now now we have a little teaser into to what will be the next. Absolutely. <laughs> For those of you who thought Jaws and uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade were, were not going to be in my top five, this one is very much probably what you'd expect from me. So It's a hard left turn, but no, like th- that's the vibe with Jesse. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Amazing. I'm excited. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye.